0: All right. Ship of the Gospel. This would be lesson 24 in our series for this this quarter. Um, let's let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and uh, let's read that and and say a few things about it, kind of in an introductory. Way We have a few verses here to look at along those lines. Uh, Who has that would like to read it? Sarah?
1: One and two. One and two. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy.
0: Okay. I would encourage you to have your Bible, <clears throat> Bibles in your laps or your Bible apps in your hands. Laps or apps. Either one's acceptable because we'll be looking at the text and talking about it. So if you could have those at ready, I, that would be helpful, I believe. Notice <coughs> the uh The word steward there, Um, I don't know that we've even defined it yet, but in this lesson we will, and oikonomia, oikonomia, okay, for the Greek, the management of a household or of household affairs, specifically the management, oversight, administration of someone else's property. It's not yours, but... You're in charge of it. Think of, tell me one person in the Bible that you know that took place. Because this person's name leaps into your mind. A manager of a household.
2: Joseph. Sir.
0: Joseph. All right. Very good. He was in charge, wasn't he? He was in charge. Of, of every everything but Potiphar's wife. And he, of course honored that. He was in charge. And I believe this story uh, told us there, too, that uh, Potiphar, he just kind of didn't pay attention to anything, did he? He just let Joseph run it, because it seems like he was probably better at it than Potiphar was. <laughs> Everything Joseph touched seemed to go well and get better. and uh, <laughs> he's He was quite the steward, wasn't he? Old Testament steward. The the word we don't have the scripture up, but the word just before that, just to think about, just to compare these, the word servant, as servants of Christ and stewards, the word servant would, to give you a picture, they're they're a little different. A ser, a, a steward yeah. is a servant, but in this case they are different in the fact that the servant would you could describe those as the slaves. Uh, the, the word in the in the in the Greek was the lower oarsman the lower oarsman that that's the guy that's in the belly of the ship rowing you know and the steward evidently he may be sitting right beside him rowing too but he's responsible for everybody everybody there. The steward may be up on deck shouting orders and watching out for everyone but there is a difference a steward is a servant but a servant isn't necessarily a steward (coughs) just something to think about and here of course our subject matter is uh, Paul speaking uh, to the Corinthians he says let a man regard us in this matter (coughs) what what is he saying let a man regard us in this matter. As a matter of fact, who's us? Do you know who the us is? Anybody might know. And I,
3: seems, from the context, it seems like believers, followers.
0: I think he's talking about someone specifically, probably.
4: I wonder too if he had it in mind
0: himself and the other apostles and, and the audience. Or yeah, I thought he had earlier in the chat. I wrote it down. Then I didn't put it in my notes. He had been talking about Apollos. Uh, I think perhaps in the context and reading, reading back that it's Apollos that maybe he's referring to. Consider us, and he come and of course he's including that person if that is the case in this conversation with the word us. So.
1: Paul, Apollos, and Cephas.
0: Paul, Apollos, and Cephas. Okay, where is that? Tell me where that is. Verse
1: twenty-two. I mean.
0: They're talking, okay. they're talking all about, right.
1: you know. Whoever did this
0: is, I, I had it and then wrote it didn't put it in my notes, so mm-hmm. thank you.
1: Could be him and Sosthenes,
0: but okay, anyways. Okay. Or all of the above. All of the above, yeah, could be. <clears throat> so he, he he states here All I the the simplest way for me to look at it is the fact that Paul states in this verse how he wants people to think about them. Right? Let a man regard us in this manner. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That's how Paul wants people to think about him. And I think that's something that we need to kind of hang on to and remember that. Uh, and take note of it because I think it's it's something that's valuable for us. They want people to think that they are simply servants of Christ, s- stewards of God's message. And that message, of course, is about his son. And we'll hear Paul say later what it is about his son that he wants people to think about and what he takes interest in and imp- puts emphasis on. And, of course, the idea that trustworthiness is involved in that. And I think uh, included in this is the idea that Paul and the us here are trustworthy. And because this has been written to them after the fact, and they're reiterating uh, the, the, the posture that they want uh, people to observe in them, in the, the idea of, of their role, if you will, when they were in their midst. What would what would you? Uh, how would you describe Paul and the gospel? Just at liberty. How would you describe it? John. Well, back in chap-
4: in chapter three and verse um, uh, five, he says, "What then is Apollos? What is Paul's servants right. through whom you believed?" Verse six: I planted. Paulus watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God. Amen. Amen. Very good. Very good. He's an instrument.
0: Yeah, he is an instrument. He's about this subject matter, you know. I think he's being very precise about this is all I'm about. This is all I'm about. All in. All the time in. You know, I think that's, and when we read about Paul and the things that he writes and the things that he did, it kind of describes his life that we see depicted in the New Testament, isn't it? He is constantly involved in his stewardship. And it seems like nothing else matters. It seems like little else is discussed or revealed for us. He's very busy about what it is that he's given himself to. And it's it's this it's attitude towards the oversight that he's been given, this stewardship that defines and sets the course for his life every day. I mean he's made the decision one time and it, it drives him constantly. It it keeps him on task all the time. And what 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 an encouragement it is for us to 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 see his ability to do that, because we let so many things get in our way, and we get burdened and 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 drugged down, and say, "Wow, how did how did he do it?" And he found a way, and many others have too. Um, the it's kind of like you can say, Paul ate, drank, and slept it. You know, we've said that about somebody that's really involved in in a hobby or a special interest or something. It's all they are. I think you could say that about Paul. And we're going to be looking at that and, and trying to see how we can be built up and lifted up by that. And see about uh, doing a better job, each and every one of us, about being all in all the time for the Lord. Uh, that's, that's what he's looking for. That's what he wants. This was always at the forefront of Paul's mind. uh, and It it was guiding his stewardship. uh, The stewardship of his time. If you think about the stewardship of the gospel we could put time, talent time, talent and treasure up here. And I think we would find the stewardship of the gospel probably touches all three of those categories. Uh, it, It may say well maybe not treasure quite so much but Time a whole bunch. Talent is involved. A talent and an ability to convey the, the the account of Jesus Christ. And Paul talks, he's going to talk about that tonight. And sometimes it's going to cost you your treasure to do it. It may be this kind of treasure in our pocketbook. And it may be something I really treasure. I want to go spend some time with these people I love, but. I have a lost soul over here I need to go tend to, and I have to sacrifice that. So, time, talent, and treasure come into play. This is a biggie, isn't it? It's one of the biggies uh, of, of stewardship. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but the study in stewardship uh, has uh, really convicted me about how much I don't think about how I need to be thinking about this. <laughs> And, and being a steward of everything that God has given me. So, Paul's an all-in, all-the-time guy and he wants everybody to be able to look at him and say, this is the kind of attitude he had. <coughs> a cor- a, um, what, what, what would you add to that little section right there before we move to the next verse? Anybody? Okay. Luke twelve forty two through forty eight <clears throat> Luke twelve forty two through forty eight have a little an account here of some stewardship <clears throat> and perhaps a lack thereof taking place. Who would like to read those verses? Andrew, read away. Twelve or 42 through 48.
3: And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is, this, is that servant who his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. But if that servant says to him so, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of the servant of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at, that, at an hour he does not know and will cut him to pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much will be demanded the more.
0: Okay, very good. So according to this passage, a steward's task was to manage all the affairs, kind of what we've already talked about, of his master uh, on his master's behalf. Okay, he, master's gone, he's, it falls to him. Perhaps it falls to him even when his master is there. I don't know. That's not revealed to us. But uh, that, that could be attending, running the business, attending to receipts and expenditures and handling money and handing out a portion uh, of support to uh, those who are serving at the master's pleasure and, and, and in his support of them. Uh, so for that household... So, um, the, idea, the idea is, is I, I love the fact that it starts out, he said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward? It sets, it sets the groundwork right there, doesn't it? Who is it? Then it defines what, what that should look like. It also then gives a contrast of that, what, what it does not look like. And that's what, that's what we see in, in this uh, block of scriptures here. The idea is that they must take excellent care of that which is entrusted to him. Uh, not to be repetitive, but that, that's how, how we learn. And to share it with others faithfully, we see him doing that here as directed by his master. So, <clears throat> But notice that, that the account here asks the question, who then is the faithful and sensible? Uh, steward. Uh, I, I don't know if you noticed when we read down through there. Um, it's obvious to us who the faithful and sensible steward is—one who does his master's will—and and that has uh, been a preeminent understanding throughout our quarter study here. Uh, and th- and our master is our king, our lord, and our <coughs> our savior. Of course uh, that that makes perfect sense to us. 45 and 46, this, just look again at that. But if that slave <coughs> says in his heart, my master will be a, a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of the slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know And will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. It's almost like there's a dual fulfillment here or something. Uh, Maybe you all can help me. But it sounds, that sounds more in in the eventuality of, of that person's life. I don't know if that's the intent because it's reiterated to. It says, and that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accordance with his will will receive many lashes. Do you you see a a, a little unusual look at maybe the eventuality of that mindset there? Or am I reading that into this?
4: I don't know what you mean by eventuality.
0: You mean immediate or, or delayed? Yeah, delayed. In other words, in other words, the end of that slave will be like this. That person who has that mindset, the eventuality or in time, in, in the final judgment, uh, just because of the wording that's used there, it's just it's 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 not immediate enough, Jesse. I'm asking you all, because I don't don't know the answer to this. In the NDT,
3: it talks about that that phrase is more like it's taking a long time. Maybe with the implication that he thinks he's not
0: coming Okay, okay. All right. May have something to do with it. And it may be they're both talking about the same thing, just in two different ways. We know that often takes place in God's Word. (coughs) If you have a thought on that, feel free to share it. Uh, now or, or later, um, the uh, <clears throat> of course we know the poor stewardship is going to reap commensurate response from the master. Uh, if Tommy was here, he'd say Lex talions. You know, the crime is this, and this is commensurate, right? And of course, blessings comes uh, comes to the faithful and sensible steward. Who is the faithful and sensible steward, the one who does the will of his master? Any other things you see there? Another angle? Anything different? Okay. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 16. Who wants to read? Who wants to exercise their vocal cords? yes ma'am go right ahead
2: and I when I came to you brothers did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom But in a demonstration of the spirit and of power So that your faith might might not rest in the wisdom of men But in the power of God Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom Although it is not a wisdom of this age Or of the rulers of this age Who are doomed to pass away But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God Which God decreed before the ages for our glory None of the rulers of this age understood this So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things that the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, inter- interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understand, understood the mind of the Lord as so as to instruct him but we have the mind of Christ
0: okay very good thank you <coughs> what version was that Katrina? ESV, yeah, ESV. thank you okay The uh, here's three excerpts from that reading uh, for this slide. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see that, that singleness of mind, how it's uh, tied also to uh, what Paul is teaching, and that's that's what he's talking about here in, in these verses, is, is his uh, desire to remain wholly faithful to God's Word, uh, to, to not invoke any of his, his wisdom that he would have as a man or of this world or any other source. Just the, the, pure, uh, the pure word of God. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Uh, Paul was, he, he knew where uh, God's will was, and it was in the word that he had given, he was giving and providing. And then he kind of tops it off by saying, we have the mind of Christ. Those are nice summary verses of that long reading uh, there. Uh, his singleness of mind and his, the singleness of his purpose uh, he had this Christ focused attitude that accompanied and enabled him with his singleness of mind regarding his stewardship he thought he thought like jesus thought <coughs> what what depicts paul's stewardship attitude better than galatians 2:20 Let's see if i know galatians 2:20 Kind of familiar. <laughs> who wants to say it? Remember, remember, we haven't done it for a while, have we? I'd probably I've got it in a different translation here. So. John, you know? Yeah. I'm
4: crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
0: Amen. Amen another one that goes along this idea about Paul's attitude (coughs) we'll talk about attitudes in a minute I think it's important at this point in time to do that because Paul had one, we all have them and they need to be cultured and developed and cultivated (coughs) Galatians 6.14 but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I, to the world. Who's dead there? The world's dead. And Paul's dead to the world. What's that leave? It leaves God. Wow, we see an attitude in Paul that is very focused, isn't it? He doesn't let stuff in his life that turns his <laughs> eyes away from his stewardship and, and his purpose. And that was to preach the gospel and to be, and to be a over a steward of the Lord's church and in the planning of the gospel and the teaching of other people. Paul's attitude towards stewardship, it excluded every every trivial pursuit. It's pure singleness of mind. Nothing, no fruitless distractions. Yes, ma'am.
1: Well, and the, part of the concept of the my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words that's always kind of struck me is I have no doubt that Paul could have um, and, and in some ways he did in writing, but he could have presented this wonderful logical highfalutin argument about God and Christ and how Christ fulfills all these things and it make it use the right phrases and the right words and, and craft the message so that it's very smooth and elegant and, and everything. But instead, he determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He, he didn't depend on his persuasive abilities and rhetoric and you know the A-minus that he got in speech class or whatever in order to uh, spread the gospel and, and preach it wasn't that wasn't the way that he went about it because he wanted to make sure that people knew it was God's power and not his human wisdom and talent
0: absolutely <clears throat> and he kind of underlines that in his statement there but with a demonstration of the spirit's power there's no refuting that I think he's talking about things that he did that People saw and said, "Oh, that didn't come from man; it came from God." John. And
4: don't you think he's probably contrasting himself with maybe others and other approaches? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He wasn't about gimmicks. He wasn't about uh, uh, you know uh, uh, other areas of focus, whether it's just somebody you know his own good ideas or you know traditions. But he was about
0: the gospel. Amen. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I, that, I, I love that narrow description because it says it says reams of things, doesn't it, about God and about His Son, Jesus Christ, and His eternal plan. And you can just start there and tell the story. You know? and, and and it's music to the ears of those who will hear. And uh, to those who will not, it it's foolishness. <sighs> Paul always kept the main thing, the main thing, and and he leaned on the power and authority of God uh, for his source of authority and power. Uh, he he conjured up nothing from himself or anyone else, and just trusted in in God's word uh, to to do the work, do the heavy lifting, and we we need to do that too. Because we have the. Completed word for us right here to to use for that very reason. Um, okay, we have some aims. Actually, we're just now starting the class, so <laughs> <laughs> told you'd be a little sl- slow intro. Great verses. Um, <clears throat> Let's. I I thought I put the. I I don't guess I did. Let me read the aims to you. Okay. So students will be able to list key attitudes necessary to be a steward of the gospel. I want to talk to us a little bit about attitudes. Uh, Explain Paul's successful approach to being a steward of the gospel. So those are the things we're looking at and trying to get our heads around and then to be able to identify one or two specific ways to be a better steward of the gospel how would how would you describe or define the word attitude maybe with just uh, synonyms How, how would how would you do it Mindset. Okay. Attitude. Mindset. Who else? Thinking. Thinking. I think that's good. Yeah. Perspective.
4: Okay.
0: at double consonants anything else you got more up there than I do uh,
1: like how you deal with failure is one of the things that comes to mind when I think about attitude or how you deal with obstacles but I don't have a better word than attitude so okay well, so maybe it's some of those things mixed
0: together. Cain or disposition. They, yeah. Okay, disposition, that's, that's in there. Okay. okay How does this sound? This is not a one-word definition, so this is a sentence. <sighs> a mental state of readiness to respond in a characteristic way regarding a particular matter uh, of concern or interest. A mental state of readiness to respond in a characteristic way regarding a particular matter of concern or interest. So something comes up. Attitude kicks in. Respond in a characteristic way. That's an attitude. That response could be. A good one. Or it could be not so good. Right? Because. That mental state. Could be. Driven by many things. If it's driven by God's word. It's going to be a good one. So can't write that won't write all that up there other thoughts but we're thinking we're thinking about Paul's attitude about everything okay that's what we're that's what we're talking about so <clears throat> thinking about ab- attitude and about the fact that it's something that we carry around with us that we we pull out on demand and use it it's a tool It's part of us. It's not permanent. Why is it not permanent? Because I don't know about you, but I've changed my attitude about some things. I've been shown, you might want to rethink it, Bob. I've went both ways with that. I'm sure most of us have at one time or another. Someone gave us some information, and we said, oh, maybe I need to rethink that. Maybe I need to change my attitude to a mental state of readiness that responds in a characteristic way that is different than what it used to be, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Romans okay. 1, 14 through 16. It's a shorty. I'll read it. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also, who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's, it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. <clears throat> now, not that, you know, what. So, so, just with this simple definition that we have here, knowing that Paul is using, and the question is what's Paul's attitude toward the stewardship of the gospel? what do we see in here? What's Paul's attitude about it based on Romans one fourteen through 17? You can just look at the text and some of the things.
4: In 14, he's obligated.
0: Okay, very good. Very good. Obligation. I don't think I've got cues on this. Do I? He's eager. I forgot about the question. So
1: <laughs> He's eager to preach.
0: Okay, He's eager very to good.
1: share the okay. gospel.
0: And there's at least one other thing in there. There's one other attribute in there. Do you see it? Not ashamed. Not ashamed. Not ashamed. Do I look at people this way? We just need to ask ourselves that. Is this the way I look at people? Is my preconceived notion, is my is my attitude like Paul's here he's under obligation he is a debtor he is anxious and eager to do it and he's not ashamed of what he's going to say or what kind of inflection that might bring upon him he is going to speak what his what his master wants him to speak and it's
4: not just how he views people, but it's how he views the message. I love 16. For it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation. I, think that, I think that word power comes from the same word that we get, dynamite.
0: Very good. Very good. Absolutely. I think we lose track of that. and We've got a neighbor across the street, and we're wringing our hands, and we're trying to figure out how to crack this nut, you know and get through, not nut crazy, nut hard nut, okay? <laughs> it, how do we do it? We, we scheme and we worry. And in some way or another, we just have to figure out how to get them to listen to God's Word. God's Word changes hearts. He wrote it that way. And He wrote that heart, too. So, our, our, our minds never work better than when we are contemplating the words of the one that made it and that's god's word jesse
3: um for, for me like obviously when i hear the term gospel of christ i immediately think the bible it, it is think about what it meant to
0: them right like the message of christ and the things
3: that they had heard the things that they had witnessed the, the, all of the things that they, you know what I mean? For me, that seems almost a little bit more encapsulated, or at least a little closer to them, right? Like, what you just experienced, that's the power of
0: God to save your souls. And and I, you know, because they didn't have books and chapters and that kind of thing. Amen, that's right. I think that's neat to kind of think about. Yeah, they didn't necessarily have anything to look at. But they had testimony, they had people's voices,
3: they saw the eyes of the
0: lives that were changed. Yeah. You know I mean? And people, the people that were uh, uh, turning around, walking away from life. People don't do that. You know, they some, some had seen miracles, some had heard stories about miracles. You know, uh, all those things. <sighs> the idea, of come and see, come and see, is there. Okay, very good. Very good. Um second Timothy two, one and two. Whoever gets there, just read it.
1: You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also.
0: Okay. Just a couple verses. What's the message? <clears throat> What's the message?
1: Be strong and teach.
0: Pass the word along. You bet. Be strong and teach. You've got everything you need to, to be effective. We struggle with that. How, how many people here ever tried to uh, uh, teach someone the gospel? I'm, I'm sure every hand will go up. How many times you failed? I'm sure a hand will go up with a number. Uh, we, we all have. But it, it's not in the tra- fact we did nothing wrong when we tried. We did nothing wrong when we used God's word. It's the heart of the recipient. And that we don't know. So as John just read a few minutes ago, God gives the increase. Katrina.
2: Uh, it, you know, you, you say who is failed. I think sometimes it helps to remember that the failing, like sometimes we think, well, we didn't get on baptized, so we failed. Yeah,
0: we didn't fail. Yeah, that well, was poor choice of words. Well,
2: yeah, and I'm just saying. Yeah. For me, I often have to remember that it's just I'm just sowing seed, and that's, that's what right. He asked me to do. So
0: yeah, we're actually supposed to be reckless sowers of the seed. Because that that one sowing the seed, he threw it in the road, he threw it in the ditch, he threw it in the gravel. He, he didn't care where he threw it. The Word of God did what it could do where it was planted. And that's what we have to look at. Nikki? I think
2: sometimes it's hard to look at it as you know, a step-by-step process, like growing a plant like growing a flower. You plant the seed that somebody else might water it and somebody else might be the sunshine and the... <clears throat> so, you know, you start with this person that you've invested so much
0: time in, and then you don't get to see to the end necessarily.
2: That feels like a failure, but, you know. Amen. Eventually,
0: if Amen. somebody else can get them there, there's, it's not a failure. You Anybody ever hire. experience that or know of that happening? Uh, later on in life, this person comes around, and, you know, maybe you were first contact or maybe you was middle contact or something like that, and you they're out of your mind, and all of a sudden you walk into a gospel meeting or they walk in the door at the meeting house and you say what are you doing here? You know what a what a blessing what a blessing that is. And how true to God's word that is, the fact that it takes place. Very good. Okay. <clears throat> Be diligent to present yourself approved to God a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth again. diligent, hard work, stick to single-minded, like Paul, focused on it all the time, in purpose and in performance, No ashamed, not ashamed, and of course to handle God's word, as he would ask us to. Familiar, familiar, but powerful verses. <clears throat> okay, let's try Let's try one more before they uh, blow a whistle on us. Okay, somebody read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Somebody back in the back. I need a voice from the back. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I
2: teach to you, which you receive and which you stand, and by which you are being saved hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you as first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in the performance of the scriptures that he was buried and he was raised on the third
1: day in the importance of the scriptures
0: very good so what's the message there what, what's the main message for us And maybe how does it go with what we've been talking about regarding Paul?
1: The word which he preached to them was of first importance to them, to him, to us, to everyone. There
0: we go. Okay. All right. What else do you see? (coughs) Do we see that... uh, That that single main thrust is there with Paul. You get as you you get to thinking about it, then about everything he writes, you you see it in there: his singleness of mind, his attitude about his stewardship, about what his work, his ministry. (coughs) But he 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 his focus again on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, if we can get that into a conversation, you've got a good chance of getting someone to listen to you. You know, this man died for you, so maybe you ought to live for him. That, that thinking. Um, it's one of the one of the very simplified ways, John.
4: If this is the essence of the gospel then it's interesting to note what then is not necessarily the essence of the gospel. And I don't know how often I've tried to tell someone the gospel, but this hasn't necessarily been my message. Right. Maybe I've tried to tell them about the church, or maybe I've tried to tell them about something else. Maybe not bad, but Paul's essence was right there.
0: Amen. Amen. Okay. We'll pick it up on Sunday right here and we'll try to get through this part of it. And then we'll do a review so of some sort. Thanks for all your comments and help. Get the girl on the park bench. So I've got it on here. Okay. I don't know why we didn't want to hook up today. I mean, some kind of some kind of uh, so communication when I, issue.
4: When I played those PowerPoint slides that I sent you initially, yeah. if you, when I clicked through it, even on my phone, having sent that file to me, the video played in PowerPoint mode.
0: Yeah. Well, I was I was on my computer uh-huh. when I clicked on it. Huh. And, and you just kept clicking? Well, I didn't keep click. I just clicked on it one time. Clicked on what? The little, the little. It was
4: it was a progression. When you when you oh. when you hit the next and next and next to go like from slide to slide, there was a there was a build within that one slide where it said girl on a park bench and had a little oh, video thing. Okay.
0: Yeah. So either way, it'll work. But okay. Well, it's in this PowerPoint right here then. 'Cause it's in this one right here. It is? Yeah, it's in this one. It wasn't in the next one, was it? Uh it was in the review. Was it in the review? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It okay. Yeah. We can't spend too much time talking and thinking about this. Amen. I. I, I that's what I felt like I wanted to slow down here and yeah and work work on it, massage it. Yeah, I thought it was good. Mm, Thanks, John. I feel inadequate. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too.
4: But it is is a combination, I believe, of the way we live and of the things we say.
0: I agree.